sometime in 1984, there was a youth group um, in a small town in Yellow County, California. There was a Christian youth group where some teeny bops were talking about going to a Stray Cats concert. And there was this like little dirty rock and roll white boy that was had two tickets. And um, this girl's like, oh, I really want to go to that concert. So she starts flirting with him. They end up going to the concert. They had a good time. And I don't think this is totally exactly how it happened. But the way that I heard, I always imagined that uh, because of that, I was conceived in like the parking lot of a Stray Cats concert. <laughs> yep, that was me. That's where I came from. So... Um, two teenagers uh, lay an egg <laughs> under a cabbage patch, and then I popped right out, and um, like like a baby Zeus or something, was just ready for life and totally cognitive, ready to rock. Um, and some of my earliest memories are about a big country house and an orchard and having a huge Malamute, Malamute dog that looked like a wolf. Um, and my mom, my mama, before, I mean, they, they she, okay, so my mom ran away when I was three. But um, I do have some memories of her um, being my mom and like, waking me up in the morning and helping me get dressed and giving me a bath or making me a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, just little things like that. Just, just looking up at her beautiful face and the sunlight and, you know, having a mom. But then she, she fucking hit the road. She, she left in the middle of the night and, um, I had this dream that night of a blue fairy <laughs> which um later on when I saw the movie AI with Haley Joel Osment <laughs> um I saw it in theaters and there's this whole thing where he's like blue fairy and he's like the creepiest kid ever he's a creepy kid in that movie because he's like not a real child but he has feelings and whatnot and he was talking about this blue fairy and I was like oh chills too close to home. Am I a fucking alien robot kid? Yes. But anyway, I had this dream that this little blue fairy came to me and said, um, your mom is gone, but everything is going to be okay. Everything is happening as it's supposed to happen. Don't be afraid. It's okay. I was three years old. Um, and when I woke up, I was looking for her. I was calling for her. I couldn't find her. I looked under the house um, I w wandered around the orchard for a bit. I couldn't find her anywhere. And then I come back in and my dad was ironing his pants, like getting ready for work. And I said, like, where's, where's mommy? And he's like, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, good enough, I guess. I, nobody knows. And, um, she was gone for a long time, a long time. And, um, then my dad eventually found someone new. She, um, was um, a very beautiful woman with long dark hair that only spoke Spanish 
and um she was nice like I I had been with like no mommy and then suddenly there was this woman that came in that like would give me a bath and like make me a chicken pot pie and like (laughs) just give me a little love and I was like this is so nice this feels so good to have a mommy you know as a fucking three-year-old what do you think and um Anyway, um, my mom eventually came back and then we, there was like custody battles between the two and, um, my new mommy and my old mommy did not get along. (laughs) And, um, that was like a huge thing. And I felt in my heart, like divided between these, a, a tale of two mommies, if you will. And, um, my mom is, um, is a bad person uh, love her, but she's kind of fucked up. And a lot of the time that I would spend around her, she would just tell me these things about, um, how bad my other mommy was. And, um, they both were kind of mean to me, you know? So I felt like increasingly, like it went from having one mommy to having no mommies, to having new mommy, to having war mommies and then I felt kind of alone I felt really alone but I was the oldest so I felt like I became the mommy and um that was a toxic dynamic but I mean my brother even my sister like I see it you know I see how I became the mommy and there's there's some old VHS family home movies where my sister who's three years younger than me and I, who at four, I'm, like, holding her little hand as she's, like, walking around at, like, a year and a half. She's a little tiny, tiny person. And I'm holding her hand, and I'm like, don't eat that angel. <laughs> like, I have a pet name for her. She's, like, my little daughter or something. I'm fucking three years older than her. That's weird, you know? So, very young, I, like, um, I only had, like, a little... Uh, just a little whiff of the mom vibes and um then there was a vacancy in which um I tried to embody that position of the mommy it's not like a decision I had made in the forefront of my mind it's just kind of what happened and um and then there was just like a vacancy you know and um remember when my mom I mean, I don't know, like, clearly I have some fucking psychological issues here, just like a fly in the wall as I'm in the echo chamber of my own self-help moment or whatever, but, you know, she, um, my mom liked the party, so when I went and, uh, when I lived with her, um, she would just, like, I mean, she was a bartender, she drank a lot, she did drugs, like, she was wild child you know and um I felt like my relationship with her was one where I was either of service to her or um she was annoyed at me and I was in the way and um that fucked me up in the fucking insane in the membrane I am um so yeah so this whole concept of like mother um is something that I think is very beautiful but it also um, is like a, like a 
sore spot I don't want to completely touch. And um, I've had other sort of types of mommy feelings in my life before. Besides that, I had my grandmothers. Um, I had my aunties. And, um, you know, it really does take a fucking village, right? And um, it shows you that all these people come through. And the spirit of the empress, the nurturer, the great mother, has so many so many faces and bodies and it can do anything and um when I was in high school is when I left my mom for good and um I lived with my dad and my my siblings and um I met a we moved to a different town and I met an art teacher um Kathy Catcher in uh Aragon High School in San Mateo California And, um, she just really took me under her wing. I was, I was a painter. I was painting all the time. Um, and I'd spent a lot of time in the art room and I would talk to her and she insisted that, um, I go to prom. She bought me a prom dress. Um, she helped me study to get my diploma, which I, at the time I was like, that ain't gonna happen. But she like followed through and, um was an exceedingly nurturing character who went like above and beyond to mentor me to help me believe in um in my future she had me um sign up to go to art school which I ended up deciding not to go but just like this woman just showed up like a fucking goddess and surrounded me with light and love in a time where I was so I mean I wouldn't say it was like exactly aimless, but um, I hadn't. I didn't really take on the concept of being um, a candidate for someone who could take on motherly love, and um, she she really showed me. And then my um, dad moved away out of town after I had gotten a scholarship to go to. Um, a community college in in my town and I was all signed up and I was like dad you can't move like I have to go to school here and he was like you're 18 you can't live with me and I was like what the fuck dude like I don't even have a job what are you talking about and um I was so I was really scared and my best friend Eve um asked her parents if I could stay in the extra room in their house and they said yes and um Eve's mother Celia um, is, oh my god, I'm gonna cry, (laughs) she's, um, a generous, beautiful, strong, intelligent, kind-hearted badass, like, she's a really hard worker, um, she worked at the time at Stanford, and, um, and, uh, I just, I, I hadn't, also, I hadn't met anyone um, Kathy Catcher was exceptional. I had never met anyone like her, and I had never really met anyone like Celia. You know, she was, um, what I had always thought of as, like, a very, um, refined kind of woman, you know, and, uh, her world, I, I just, like, couldn't really completely fathom it, and I felt like such a gross monster, 
Um, I felt like a grateful, disgusting monster to be in the space. But um, her her way of just like constantly just putting her hand on my shoulder or like showing me nurturing, writing me a note, you know, um, making sure that I would go to class or, you know, sometimes I would be writing an essay and she would just come up and like, just like touch my hair or something. And it made me feel this like deep, um, emotional warmth and like love that, um, felt really good. And then immediately scared the shit out of me. And, um, I think I, I feel like almost constant guilt, like when I think about her, because I feel like I didn't know how to, um, feel okay with the nurturing. (laughs) I like wanted to like reciprocate or I was like, what do you, what the fuck do you even do if a woman is being kind to you in like a loving motherly way? Like, what do you say to her? How do you, I mean, it's probably, I'm probably making it more complicated than need be. Because uh, I got issues, dude. Um, so the Empress is that infinitely kind and loving ability to show up for people, to create, to provide, to create life, to create in itself. And um, I feel that the Empress energy is strong in me. I feel very nurturing and loving. Like, I feel like there's no end to how much love I have for the world or any individual person, um, how much I want deeply for everyone to get along and find love within each other and for that to just grow like wild vines and just keep going and going and growing. And love like that is so expansive that it's almost chaotic, you know? There's there's a limitlessness to it. It's inventive, and it just keeps going and going. And um, when I think about my own mother, my biological mother, um, and what what her um, particular brand of influence has been on me, and uh, just observing, you know, like, you can't help but to love your mother, you really can't, and you you can't help but to want your mom to love you, and um, even if you're, like, conflicted or or upset about it, the, the mother is a quintessential part of our hearts and our worldviews, and everything I find from my mother, and all the strangeness, and beauty, and wildness is is um always left a a hall in my heart for the fucking chaos you know for the debauchery and for my love for my monstrous mother is my love for the monster in me you know um my mother is a tiny beautiful woman and um she also was a painter she would she would work on art and paint all these silhouettes of like sexy ladies or whatever <laughs> was her main thing and um she would also we were we were always poor but she was very very creative so if ever like we had to do a birthday or something like that she would just like fold 
a piece of paper or like take, you know, cut apart like a cereal box and like fold it over and like cut it and like make flowers out of this or that and then just glue it in a certain way. And it was like, she, my mother, um, showed me that everything around you was something that you can take in and make beautiful if you contort it in certain ways. And, um, the thing about, um, a narcissist, if we want to look at it clinically, is, um, they are vampires, you know, (laughs) that's a clinical term, right? Um, but part of that is the seduction and the, the athleticism of controlling image, um, which is something that, um, I think I kicked back against a lot when I was a teenager. I would just like, I was really into grunge, you know, I was really into the anti-aesthetic and I wanted to wear like the most fucked up ugly ass shit. I remember she used to get so mad. She was like, you look like a fucking clown. And I was like, good bitch. Like I didn't say bitch to her. That wasn't, I wasn't one of those kids, but I just like, I liked the idea of looking horrible, you know? But she was, because she was so interested in looking beautiful. And I was like, this is fake. But through observing her and her grooming me, um, I um, have retained a lot of the qualities of understanding the value of aesthetics. Um, and aesthetics are sort of just like a, a symptom of um, creation, you know? It's um, even in my anti-aesthetic or whatever... That was something that um, I learned from my mom in, like, knowing that you can take anything and, like, style it a certain way, wear it a certain way, that it's just, like, a hemline or how you fit a bell. Like, everything is, like, just a little effort, just a little finesse, and you can get it to a point where it looks like whatever the fuck you want. And you can transform a cereal box into a birthday card with just, like, a few choice snips and like lines and it's really just that simple in some ways but it comes from the inspiration of the will to create you know and um allowing yourself the wildness to have that playground of yeah if this doesn't turn out I can like throw it away and start over I can keep playing with it until it's how I want it to look so there is a lot of playfulness that comes from aesthetic obsessions. And um, at, again, if I take everything out of the polarity of judgment of good and bad, um, there is that. It's, it boils down to a creation quality. And because my mother is, um, uh, you know, a real Voldemort, um, <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Um, it, it also, to me, has expanded my heart past um, past the normal boundaries of the white picket fence. You know, I oh my god, I sound like so corny right now. <laughs> Let it roll, okay? But I feel like because um, because of her wildness and her wickedness. And my love for her will always make me immediately love a bad bitch, you know? Not to say that all bad bitches are um, evil or whatever, but I feel that 
um, in my refusal to completely throw that love away, I find so much, so much more love in places where, um, maybe, um, I don't know, sometimes I think that, um, some archetypes are painted in this way to be intimidating or unrelatable, but I feel grateful to my mother for, um, making me understand, um, difficult characters, so to speak, in a completely different way if, if I were sheltered, you know what I mean? And, um, and also in, um, something that my mother has given me is, um, like a fierce independence, you know? Sometimes I, I feel like, um, my mom is like a spider or something, and I just, like, hatched out of her and just started, like, fucking scrambling away, (laughs) and, um, in some ways, you know, like, people say I look like her, our faces look like the same, and, um, my grandmother and I have the same face, and it's like, what the fuck, you know, like, are we just, like, cloning the same sort of independent woman, and when I hear about, you know, my grandmother, her mother, who was very close to, when I hear about her life, she was a bad bitch, like, she was fierce and epic, and her mother, and her mother, and as far back as I know, and, like, um, my second cousin on my mom's side was, like, oh, yeah, we're descended from this, um, this woman who was, like, the first woman to be, um, hung as a witch, and that was something I found out, like, while, around the time that I was recording this podcast, actually, because, um, I, um, was recording with, uh, Lauren Cohen, who grew up in the old Salem, you know, and she was obsessed with the witch trials, and I was like, wow, like, I feel like my, my, um, witchy witchiness or whatever, and that's just a blanket term, I think, for a strong and scary woman, um, a woman who owns herself for better or worse, and then when I look at um, my mother, and I look at being physically in so many ways a clone of her, and her of her mother, and her of her mother, I, like, it, it makes me feel this sort of, like, deep, strange, like, alpha consciousness, where I just imagine, like, this invisible thread going into the beginning of time and space of this, like, one particular entity, that has, like, shed its skin so many times, and I'm just, like, the last incarnation of it, possibly ever, because I fear that I would not be a good mother because of my experiences or whatever. So I guess the snake's gonna die with me, I guess, but it's, um, it's fascinating to think about it constantly branching ever, ever, forever, and, um, yeah. And my mom was pregnant with me. She told me she had a dream that I was a black-eyed cat, (laughs) sorry, I said that wrong, I was a black cat with green eyes, and I was scratching her and trying to get away, and she finally let go of me, and I ran away onto an airplane and flew away and never went back, and um, in dream interpretation, a cat is a um, bad omen, means troubles and if you kill the cat in your dream you um 
are able to overcome her, your troubles. And I think my whole life, knowing that my mom was a teenager when she had me, it always made me feel like I had ruined her life. Like, she, she, I had stolen her youth and her luck and her hope and her chances. And I hadn't meant to, but I had all the same. And she was left without them. And I was taking them and running away from her. And I think part of me still feels a little guilty about that. But at the same time, uh, that's the way the fucking cookie crumbles, I guess. Every mother is a creation maker. They make worlds. And everyone inside of them has this divine mother to create. And nurturing is a type of creation where you're holding down the world for someone and you're shaping it into a more beautiful experience. And if you're a shitty mom, you're still manipulating the world around an individual and creating an environment. You're creating their worldview and forever how they'll see the world. And within each of us, we can turn around and see our own mothers and see what they try to lay down for us. And, and we get to decide what we take from it. And if we have this expansive energy, this empress quality of looking everything as a resource, everything as an opportunity for growth, for beauty, for nurturing, for abundance. I mean, that's a channel we all could tap into and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what you're handed. That empress energy is the spark of life. The spark of life is something that will always be a jovial expansion of creation. And maybe not. Maybe sometimes it's an expansion of destruction, but you still get to turn around and look at it with your own sort of empress light and decide where you want to plant (laughs) your garden. (laughs) In, In conclusion, life's a garden. Dig it.